Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the first book of Samuel, that is Shmuel Aleph, and we are studying chapter 28. And as I promised in the previous, um, in the previous podcasts, I was going to explain this chapter in several different ways based on the different understandings that the commentaries have uh, regarding the very unusual and actually in many ways bizarre um, occurrences in this, in this chapter. Now, I'm going to give four different approaches. I'm not sure yet if it's going to be four separate podcasts, although it very well might be. And I, want, I think it's important for us to understand the lessons of this chapter from four different perspectives. And these perspectives are related to really the overall philosophy of the people, um, of the commentaries themselves, and how they look at um, the world in general, Judaism specifically, and the Bible most specifically, and the Torah, and, and what the Torah is here trying to teach us, what the Navi and what the prophets are trying to teach us in this chapter here. Um, and in all chapters in general. And I refer to the, the overall spectrum of how one looks at and understands supernatural events and supernatural occurrences. And in general, we find a broad range, and I'm going to use the terms the, the mystical approach versus the rationalistic approach. Um, and uh, and but there's obviously it's not just it's not a binary system where there's mystics and there's rationalists, and I know that those terms have many different meanings to many different people in many different contexts. I'm using those terms simply for lack of a better term. Now uh, and there's a, a broad range between the two extremes, but what I'm going to explain that for the purposes of our discussion here, when I use the term mystic or mysticism, I'm referring to the a belief and an understanding of the world that understands that there are spiritual forces, both good and bad, um, that have can go by many different names, and those forces are are connected to what we do in this physical world, right? And what we do in this physical world influences those spiritual forces to act in certain ways which can be tangibly felt by us in this real world. So, in other words, um, if we do a good deed, we might, we might um, stimulate uh, the good spiritual forces to do good to us. Now, the terms that often go is with uh, the, you know, God being benevolent towards us and many times, or it could be angels or, or good spirits or you know, all kinds of terminologies and different traditions have different words and terms and ways of describing this. But I think you can understand the idea. You know, good things, tapping into the good energy brings, brings the good stuff, basically, into our lives. And in the similar vein... Um, in the, on the extreme level, in other words, on the, the far, if you like to think of it as a spectrum, on the far, uh, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to call it right and left because that, that brings up all kinds of images that I'm not really referring to here of uh, political images of right and left. 
So, uh, you know, on one end and the other end, the mystical end and the rationalist end, the far mystical end, also believes in similar idea where there's evil forces or bad things, you know, and that also goes by many names, you know, Satan or demons or, or bad forces, which we can also tap into. Now, the idea is, is that some people know how to tap into these forces, either good or bad, depending on the person, depending on the time, depending on the circumstances. Someone who has this full-on approach that looks at and understands the world this way. Now, mind you, this is not... Um, nowadays, many rationalistic people, many people that, 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 that study science, that study the world around us, to, uh, to many of us, uh, looking at the world in this manner of these mystical, uh, mysterious forces, you know, seems very primitive. But it, it's, it's really... You know, first of all, there's many people today that do believe in these things, and I'm not here to 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 uh, deride anyone or how they look at the world. Number one, and number two, what's more important for us to understand is even if you do not want to ascribe to this view of the world for whatever reason, and we'll get into it in a little bit, we have to understand that throughout the almost all of human history. In almost every culture that has existed in human history, this some variant of this belief and this understanding of the world around us was the way people understood how things worked, right? In some form or other, people understood it this way. Uh, that's not to say that there isn't a very strong tradition of what we're going to call the rationalists, um, um, and we'll get to them on the other end of the spectrum, uh, there certainly have been since at, at least since the times of the Greek philosophers and on. However, it's still very important for us to understand that this view of life that we can manipulate and influence spiritual forces, both uh, good and bad or dark and light or you know or so on, however you want to describe it, is something that's very deeply ingrained in, in the human psyche. Now, if you look and understand the world this way, then your understanding of this chapter, and indeed your understanding of many parts of the Torah, becomes, uh, is, is understood in a different way, in a certain way, I'm sorry, not different, in a certain way. And it kind of allows you to read chapter 28 in a very literal, straightforward manner. And that would be as follows. First of all, um, we know that the Torah prohibits, right? The Torah prohibits going to witches, and the Torah prohibits... Um, you know, uh, uh, in these, these incantations and so on. Now, if you understand the world in the, in the uh, way that I just described, in the, in the mystical approach, and, and let me explain, I'm gonna, going to use the Ramban, that's Nachmanides, as the uh, uh, protagonist of this point of view, um, not because he's the only one, because most of the medieval commentators understood this chapter this way, and it makes sense that they would understand it this way because it reflected their worldview, which was common um, in Judaism and still is common in many parts of Judaism. And it is a legitimate um, uh, philosophy within Judaism. And the Ramban, uh, Nachmanides, strongly wrote this way when he was arguing on the Ramban, Maimonides' approach, which we're going to get to later, um, uh, 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 argued that there are evil forces out there that can be tapped into by those who know how to do so, but the Torah prohibits us from doing so. 
we are only supposed to tap into the good forces, the good spiritual forces, and the way to do that is by keeping the Torah, by keeping God's word, and staying faithful to God. And we're not supposed to go after these bad forces, these evil forces. If you understand it this way, then when you look at chapter 28, I'm, now, I'm not going to read through um, all of the chapter. You have to listen to the two previous podcasts before you listen to this one. But I'm just going to go over an overview of how you would then understand this chapter. So the way you would understand it is, number one, the chapter starts by telling us Shmuel had passed on. And it says that Shaul, that Saul, had, um, had um, executed all of the Ovot Onim, all of the necromancers and uh, spirit talkers uh, from the land. So Saul was doing this to keep the word of God, which was stay away from these things. Not because they were untrue or false, but be, I mean they were, uh, but rather because they were uh, uh, demonic or, or evil spiritual things which we are not supposed to be involved in. Rather, we're supposed to be involved in, 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 in godly things, in good things. So Shaul did that, and then... When he was, uh, so, and in other words, when he was riding high as the king, he thought, you know, I'll get rid of all of these bad people, right, in order to gain more favor in God's eyes, right? And that was his purpose. He was doing this not out of, out of um, genuine desire to be close to God, but rather out of the desire to gain the good powers, to gain the good stuff, to be on God's good side so that, you know, and so on. And then when the Philistines gathered at war toward to him, the Philistines gathered against him at war, and Saul felt and realized and saw that he was far outnumbered. His tactical position was extremely bad, and danger was close. And Saul had this imminent sense that he, his armies and he himself may not make it through this battle. So the first thing he did was turn to God. And how did he turn to God? He turned to God by going to the Urim Vitumim, in other words, asking the, the, uh, the high priest for signs and, and something, and God did not answer him. He went to God in dreams. He, he tried to, to prophecy like he had done before, and, but God didn't answer him. God did not appear to him. Once Saul felt like he was being abandoned by the good side, now here we have Saul treating, it in, in this philosophy, one is not supposed to go to God with 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 magical uh, devices because that's not the way we serve God. That's not the way we bring God down into our lives. The way to bring God down into our lives is by living a good life, by acting well, by doing good behavior. This is how we bring the good spirits to ourselves. But Saul didn't get that. He didn't understand that. So he tried to bring God to himself by doing all these ritualistic practices, which didn't work. Now, if the rich, when, when desperate... And if your faith in God is only based on the good stuff that you want to get from him, well, if you're not getting the good stuff from God, if you're not getting good word from him, then you're going to go, you're very, you're very vulnerable, very susceptible to going down a bad path. When you go down that bad path, that's why Saul went ahead and went to the necromancer. He said, Vayishal, this is verse 6, Vayishal Shaul Badonai Adonai. Saul asked, asked of God, and God did not answer him. Gamba Chalamot, not in dreams. Gamba Urim, not when he asked the Urim Vetumim, uh, and Gamba Neviim, and not when he asked the prophets. 
So Vayomer Shaul Avodav, and therefore Saul said to his servants, Bakshuli Eshet Balatov, find me a woman who is a Balatov, who is a necromancer. So now um it makes sense. Saul went every route that he could without thinking to himself, you know what? I need to repent. You know what? I need to listen to the to what I, I know the God's message to me, which was to step down from being the king, to make peace with David. To hand, over, to hand over the kingdom to David, and, and maybe that would have brought about some sort of a victory. In fact, in this situation, David was uniquely positioned to help, but of course Saul wouldn't imagine such a path because he was too selfish, too arrogant to recognize that path. So therefore he went down another magical path into evil. And this is what happens when someone doesn't want to live a good life, to do the right thing. He's too arrogant to do the right thing. He doesn't have the humility to do the right thing. So instead, he tries to summon up the spirit, so to speak. Uh, not so to speak, in this case, literally. And he went and tried to summon the spirit of Samuel, and which he did. And all of this is totally literal and totally exactly as is, according to this interpretation. He went to the, the necromancer who had this power to bring up the ghost of Samuel, brought up the ghost of Samuel, and then, of course, Samuel's answer now makes a lot of sense. When Samuel's spirit comes, Samuel said to him, um, you know, why did you bring me up? Saul says, I brought you up because I'm desperate. And, and then Samuel says, you know, don't ask me for help. God has left you, right? Um, God is against you. The... Um, he took the kingdom away from you. God is more, you know, you can't try to summon up the evil spirits in order to, to, uh, to help fight for you, right? You didn't listen to God, right? You didn't do what you were supposed to do, and therefore you are not going to make it through this battle because you took the wrong path. Going to the necromancer was exactly the wrong path and demonstrates that you don't get it. So this is the, just the general broad understanding of those that take that approach. That would be approach A, the approach of, the, of the, those that look at the world in, in, in a much more mystical sense, in a much more mystical understanding of things. And it's a very straightforward reading of the chapter. Um, and uh, doesn't, you know, and, and it, it reads very nicely in the chapter and the words. And if, uh, you know, and it's a completely um, a legitimate and appropriate way to understand this chapter. However, there are many other very legitimate and very appropriate understandings of this chapter that also read very smoothly in the words. And we are going to address them and bring them up. And we will, what we will find that is interesting is the lessons that one learns from this chapter are all important, regardless of which understanding of the chapter you take. They're all beautiful, they're all important, and they're all true, uh, but they're very different, and they get deeper and deeper as we go into these different paths. And I, I, before I close, I want to remind you of the lesson according to approach A, which was the approach that we just studied. And that is the lesson that that summoning the good spirits, in other words, bringing good upon yourself through God, is not done through, through rituals and so on, but it is done through humility, through obedience, through living the kind of life that God wants you to live. And when one treats God in such a way that he thinks that it's, 
it's it's um it's the the dreams, the prayers, the prophecies, the urim v'tumim, and so on. If one thinks that that's how one gets to God, and one does those things because he wants to bring goodness to himself for selfish reasons, rather than because it's the right thing to do, then one puts himself into the danger of um of making the mistake of you know what? Well, if God doesn't answer me and I don't get what I want. Right? I want to get rich, I want to get healthy, I want to get strong, I want to get out of this problem, so I'm going to do all of these things, and then God doesn't answer in your mind. He doesn't give you those things that you think you deserve, that you think you should get. Then you're very, very susceptible to going down the wrong path and trying to find those things in, in, in a bad path, in a bad way, and, on, and which we can obviously bring to terrible ruin. Um, so this is approach A to uh, chapter 20, 28. Uh, and I'm going to attribute this to the Ramban. And as we go through uh, this chapter, we are going to bring three more understandings, each one beautiful in its own way, and each one might speak to different people and might speak to your heart um, in a different way. Thank you so much. Looking forward to the next three understandings of chapter 28.